Thank you for tuning in to Meanwhile, where I discuss all things past, present, and future. I am your host, Carlos Madrigal, and I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, so today I'm going to be talking about some history. I did a poll on Twitter because I was conflicted. I didn't know if I wanted to talk about the disarming of the samurai or the pardoning of the notorious pirate Anne Bonny. So I did a poll on Twitter and looks like most of you guys wanted to hear me talk about the disarming of the samurai. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. So to start off, I'm I'm going to I'm going to lead with exactly what the samurai were originally, you know, before the samurai that we know in in pop culture. <clears throat> so originally samurai were just um estate guards. They were they were hired by nobles and uh, even the emperor himself. And then um so during the Kamakura period which was roughly between uh the years of 1185 AD to 1333 uh, their clans began forming alliances and their numbers grew so much that they were eventually uh, they were eventually able to form a samurai dominated government uh, in which the emperor he no longer had supreme control and uh, basically the emperor became more of a public image as opposed to being a supreme uh, ruler. Uh, they reached the point where the samurai were the supreme ruling class. There was conflict there, so there, there was there was conflict between some samurai ideologies similar to what we have today in modern politics in the sense that some samurai wanted to conserve the emperor's ruling status. You know, they they liked that their job was simply just defending homesteads and estates they like the simplicity of it whereas the opposing ideology was you know the samurai wanted more government power so ultimately though it became a samurai run government then something happened in the 13th century that would form the samurai into what most people would uh, would recognize them as today uh, the samurai adopted Buddhism, uh, particularly uh, pure land Buddhism. Uh, it's basically so pure land Buddhism is the belief that the plane of existence we currently live on is never destined to be pure, and we should not pursue purity to salvage this land. Rather, we should live pure within ourselves so that we may pursue the purity of the land after you know, the, the afterlife. And if we don't live pure, then we will become beasts uh, when we die instead of walking in the pure land. Um, the adoption of Buddhism was what allowed the samurai to not fear death. So to them, dying in battle was considered euphoric. That's why fighting them, oh man, 
Fighting them must have been terrifying. I mean, they had nothing to lose and everything to gain from fighting you to the death. So, you know, they survived for centuries. They were just unstoppable warriors. Um, And then, so... Some people claim that their days became numbered during the peaceful Tokugawa period when their roles began shifting from warriors to administrators and scholars. You know, things were really peaceful. So, you know, they kind of had to find things to do with their time. So they started to, you know, become government administrators. You know, they collected taxes and um, a, a lot of them became scholars. A lot of them would take their time and they would study. So, uh, you know, they became something of philosophers to other classes who grew up during these peace times. Something rarely talked about in history class is the fact that the United States was actually the match that ignited the final destruction of the samurai. So Commodore Matthew Calbraith Perry, he used military force. And he, this was the United States Commodore. He used military force and he forced Japan into opening their country for trade. This would lead to the, and I, I always struggle because I don't want to say this wrong. This would lead to the Meiji So that is M-E-I-J-I. So I'm going to say Meiji era in Japan. So that, you know, it's named after Emperor Meiji. Um, So it was uh, Commodore Matthew Calbraith uh, Perry, when he began to force Japan into opening, that would eventually lead to the Meiji era in which they began to fully modernize. So, Emperor Meiji, he was able to return all authority back to the emperor. Because, you know, if you remember, the samurai were able to remove authority from the emperor and put it into the hands of themselves. So, he was able to return all authority back to himself and eventually was able to abolish the samurai. And it wasn't just, you know, hey, samurai, you're, you're gone, bye. It was a process. And so the process went like this. So he started off and he would tax their stipends on a rolling basis, okay, their pay. That created a tremendous financial burden on them. Uh, Then, after that, after a while of that, they were given the option to convert their stipends into government bonds. And then eventually that conversion became mandatory. See, so it was like inch by inch uh, forcing samurai into government mandation. So then, after, after that, then it became illegal... For samurai to bear their weapons in public areas. As their swords were a sign of their class. So. 
they were no longer allowed to carry their weapons, you know, around town. It was it was a sign of a class that Emperor Meiji really didn't want anymore. So he started out, you know, he's like I said, he's inching his way. So then, um, at, you know, samurai, they're struggling for money. They're no longer allowed to wear their sword and pride. So a lot of them actually ended up joining the Imperial Japanese Army, which, by the way, in that era was trained by Western forces. It was trained by the United States and by European nations. So after this happened, there was actually there was a brief civil war and it was a samurai rebellion, but it was just instantly overwhelmed instantly. You know, it, they, they were they were hit so hard and so quick that they just they had to back off. And then so so the samurai that refused to join the Imperials could see that the days of the samurai were over. You know, you see your brothers, you know, now they're they're facing you and you're you're so outnumbered and you're outgunned. They knew, you know, it was over. So as the number of samurai dwindled, there was eventually just no more resistance. You know, some samurai laid their status to rest and joined the government. Uh, others simply took their values and taught the newer generations about the history of samurai. Emperor Meiji actually, he, he never opposed the teachings of samurai history being passed on. Which is, you know, as far as tyrannical emperors go, is pretty cool. When you think about it, because a lot of times, you know, once a ruler's trying to get rid of something, they usually want to wipe it from history. As far as historians know, there was no there, there was no attempt at him doing that. He was actually very open to samurai history being taught. That's why he didn't go around and round up every last samurai. You know, he he let them be on their merry way if they chose. So that and then after that, that was that was the end of the samurai what was left of their legacy was simply their history. There were no more operable samurai temples or training grounds. It was just gone. And so not only did modern civilization decide that they had no place in this world. Even a major portion of the samurai themselves decided it was better to move on from feudalism. Could you imagine being a noble samurai and seeing other samurai willing to join the imperial forces that you're facing? That would be worse than seeing your fellow samurai die in battle because they believed in the pure land Buddhism. So to them, to the real noble samurai, 
if they were just watching their fellow samurai die in battle, they know that they're going to the pure land. But watching them turn and join the Imperials and overthrow everything that Japan was, overthrow the Japanese culture to join this modernization movement, you would be looking at them and believing that they are now damned and that they're not going to the pure land. That would be devastating. I just, I couldn't imagine. So, yeah. That's how the samurai eventually fell. You know, so some people will say that it was the United States that did it. That's true, yeah, and not just uh, the United States, but Western civilization as a whole. While that's true, I I do believe that their days were numbered once they were in their their peacetime. You know, uh, because once they started, you know, joining the ad- administration aspect of their government, you know, once they started, you know, hunting down taxes and stuff like that, that was, you know, you could, you could sort of tell that their, their days were numbered. I don't think, you know, and, and, uh, this was during the Tokugawa period, you know, when this is when they started to become scholars and stuff like that, the, the, the times of those kind of warriors were already kind of dwindling. So, yeah, you know, Western civilization, you know, they, they ignited the, the spark that ended them. But they had already been, you know, dousing. They were already being doused in oil the, the second their major wars were over. And the samurai were becoming scholars. and You know, so I, I think... It was, they were already on the way out. So, anyway, guys, um, that was the fall of the samurai. Just uh, something interesting I had been thinking about, so wanted to see what you guys thought about it. Anyways, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time.